That's, I mean, that's a disgrace to the legacy of Scarecrow Boat, who I'm still very appreciative of. Oh, is that what you were doing? Yeah. I didn't even... Did you not even recognise the theme tune to the podcast that you're fucking on, like, all the time? I I don't think that's a reflection of my recognition. I think it's more a reflection of your rendition. It's a me problem, isn't it? Yeah, Yeah. and you sounded like one. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode four of the Bitchin' Review, the only music review show you'll ever need, brought to you by the Bitchin' Brew podcast. I'm Danny Randon. I'm the host. I'm the kind of, I'm the main guy. I'm the man. Yeah. Um, and as ever, I am joined by my, my friend, my lackey. If you are my Side dish. Yeah. <laughs> the coleslaw to your burger. <laughs> the butter to my sweet corn. The corn on to the your toast. <laughs> <laughs> a, a fellow music fanatic and a, and a facial hair superior. <laughs> Your facial hair is better. I, I tried to grow the facial I think hair out long. Is more um, tidy. It's you stubble. Know, a little bit all over the place. Yeah. If I grow it long, it just looks like pubes. Yeah. It, it, I mean, it, it doesn't curl. It doesn't curl like yours does. Mm. So um, it just know. grows outwards. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So, so I keep it to like a nice tidy two millimeter twice a week. Yeah. I mean, this isn't a podcast about male grooming. We're just kind of staring it? into each other's facial hair as well. <laughs> um, I didn't actually introduce you by name, but you are Brad Thorne. Yeah, everybody knows. Everybody, you you all know. <laughs> um, and yeah, this year, uh, I mean, it's been a minute, hasn't it? Yeah, it has. Um, since we last put an episode of the Bitchin' Review out. Yeah. Um, I know it's obviously middle of June now. We're yeah. not at Download Festival. No. But looking at the pictures... I don't want to be at Download Festival no, right now. No. Not even for Tool. <laughs> not even for Slipknot. No. It's just not worth it. I, I would be utterly miserable, I think. I, I don't know what it is about, like, rain, I guess I'm kind of okay with. Yeah. If it's raining and cold, I'm miserable. Yeah, and then yeah. mud. I can't stand mud. I don't know what it is. It it's just that, fucks me it, off. It literally, it clings to you. And yeah. you can't, you know, then you go in your tent to try and freshen up, but the mud is on you. Then it's in your tent and it's in your bed. Yeah. And there's just no getting away from it. Yeah, it so. invades your personal space. <laughs> it does. Um, so, yeah, obviously life's been busy, hasn't it? Yeah. I started a new job. Yeah. Um, you had some Game of Thrones to watch. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you don't want to talk about that, do you? No. Are no you... It's for another podcast, maybe. This is the first half opportunity we've had since April to kind mm-hmm. of sit down and talk about the music that, that came out in that month. Yeah. So we are looking at some of the biggest and best albums of e- and EPs from the world of alternative music mm-hmm. that came out in April. I use that term quite broadly because we are talking about uh, Pup, we're talking about Loyal Karna, uh, we're talking about The Damned Things, yeah. Martha, Heart Attack Man, Blood Command, The Nightmares and Watch Cries. So it's actually like a nice... I think this is the most time we've done like e- as many EPs as we have done yeah. albums. Yeah, it's a nice mix of really new and really established acts as well yeah yeah exactly yeah um and you know we we did contemplate you know just picking up in june yeah at one point and just kind of like skipping april and may but i think you'll see a bit why why we couldn't do that Mm -hmm. so this is episode number four 
for the April releases and then you won't have to wait another month for the May release episode we're going to put that out next week or maybe even like a few days later it depends how life gets I suppose yeah. Uh, so yeah uh, obviously I've mentioned the albums that we're going to the albums and EPs that we're going to be talking about today we'll dive into those in a minute first of all let's give a couple of plugs to uh, Bitching Crew yeah. Um, so the official Facebook community for mm-hmm. friends, fans, and listeners of the podcast. I kind of plugged this at the the start and the end of the last episode, yeah. but I won't do this with every episode. I might like drop a thing in at the end, <laughs> but like because it's kind of fresh. It's only what, yeah. we're about thirty five members in at the moment. Yeah. I'm kind of gradually adding people in. I, I've, I've grown very conscious of the fact I don't want to end up spamming people with this. Yeah. So. The, the reason I kind of set it up was because, um, you know, the way Facebook algorithms work, it is really kind of damaging to artists who want to kind of promote their wares, uh, or not even artists, just creative people in general who have, a, you know, some art form to promote. If you don't have a massive advertising budget behind you, which I don't for Bitch and Brew, um, then it's quite hard to kind of break through the noise on Facebook. It's just their shitty, shitty page-hating <laughs> algorithms, so seen it being done a few times by like Holy Raw Records have a Facebook group which mm-hmm. they see as a really good way of, of communicating with their uh, with their fan base and uh, Beth Shalom Records as well friends of the podcast so I thought it'd be really cool to set up a Facebook group not only for us to kind of plug um, you know new stuff from the podcast because we are doing plenty of new stuff at the moment yeah. um, but also just to kind of foster a, a community of, of music lovers really definitely we're already having some, some nice chats in there as well about the albums we are we're having a lovely we're lovely, a lovely time, time yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so um, yeah I'll put a link in the description of, of this episode and any episode going forward uh, to join the Bitch and Crew it's a public group I think I have to kind of approve mm-hmm. your uh, membership in there but I'm probably going to end up approving everyone unless they are a spam bot i cannot cannot stress that enough yeah. um and the other thing i wanted to plug before we go in is um bitch and tunes yeah. um so bitch and tunes is a new uh, weekly play i wanted to make better use of the bitch and brew spotify because yeah. obviously we are streaming the podcast on spotify but i love making playlists so mm-hmm. thought i'd make better use of that and just put together a weekly playlist of the 10 tracks that i'm digging the most from the week before so by the time you hear this there will be a new edition of Bitch and Tunes out. I'm looking to update it every Monday. Um, and so in this week's playlist, there's that new track from Cult Dreams, mm-hmm. formerly known as Kamikaze Girls. Yeah. Uh, we'll be talking about their album when it comes out in August. Um, there's a new track from Jay Som in there as well. Uh, Julian Baker just put out her, kind of, she's streaming her, her Record Store Day EP that she put out. So there's some stuff from... Uh, that in the playlist and tennis system as well and a bunch of other stuff that I can't remember what it is right now but it's all good yeah it it's is all good. good can confirm um, so make sure you go and subscribe on the uh, Bitch and Brew Spotify um, and get weekly updates to Bitch and Tunes and obviously we do the companion playlists for these episodes as well where we yeah. take like three tracks from each album which can kind of help you listen as you go mm-hmm. so you can figure out whether this album is really for you to dive into because we cover quite a broad range yeah, don't we and whether or not you agree with us as well exactly so. exactly um i should mention sorry let's take a take a little bit of an in-breath actually and take a lovely sip of Brewdog beer <laughs> we're not sponsored mm. but because we're not a download festival we yes <laughs> And now Brad Thorne presents ASMR. <laughs> um, we're, we're at the Brewdog Bar in Southampton. 
I should really mention that they've been very uh, very lovely and hospitable to us to let yeah. us set up our sort of snazzy new recording setup and and yeah. chat bollocks for a bit <laughs> but we are drinking some of their beers as well um, you went for a pint of well a bit of an old reliable really yeah. a pint of Dead Pony Club yeah. which is their pale ale mm-hmm. uh, session pale ale yeah. 3.8% uh, do you want me to read you the tasting notes uh, I could tell you just from sipping it just now I okay. it's got citrusy notes that linger on the tongue <laughs> well citrus zesty and bright yes is well that's that's Enough about you. Let's talk about the beer. <laughs> um, I've I've also gone for a parallel. I've gone for the indie parallel because I wanted to start. I'm not going to go it straight in with like the 6.5 percent. What is it? Elvis juice, their grapefruit one. Yeah. Which is really good. Yeah. Tune but, in like, next week to hear. <laughs> I've gone for the indie parallel, which is light caramel and biscuit. Ooh. But we don't have any biscuit. A snazzy bouquet. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, you know, we're just a bunch of craft beer bellends, aren't yep, we? Yep, yeah, yeah. Um, or just bellends. Or just bellends. <laughs> uh, should we talk about some albums? Uh, yeah, go on then. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, first album we're going to be talking about on this show uh, comes from Pup. Uh, the album is called Morbid Stuff. It is the third album from the Canadian Punks? Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. I, um, before we go into it, I, I really like Pup. Yeah. Um, I thought their last album, The Dream Is Over, was a step up from the self-titled. Yeah. I thought it was, which I I, I still think the self-titled, which came out what 2014. Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah. Was it was a good, but it was quite a single-heavy record for me. Like Reservoir and Mabu kind of stood quite mm-hmm. far out yeah. on that album and I thought The Dream Is Over kind of made strides towards being a little bit more consistent yeah, beginning so, to yeah. end Yeah. Um, now uh, do you feel like a similar way? I feel a similar way yeah I mean I definitely really like both they're two for two yeah me uh, okay. at the moment but um, yeah I feel I, similar to you I do think they are like well up there with sort of when you think about bands in their scene like I don't know Modern baseball, yeah. Menzingers—they're on the top tier. The, the Dirty Nil, obviously. Mm-hmm. Although the Dirty Nil obviously have more of that rock, rock and, rock roll. and roll, rock and roll. Fellow Canadians, obviously. Yeah. Um, if the dream is over, was a kind a step up from mm-hmm. the self-titled, then morbid stuff um, is like a, a box jump. Yeah. I. I'm, I'm not going to mince my words about it. I fucking love this record. <laughs> yeah, me too. Me too. I think, Absolutely love it. you know, the, the, the title Morbid Stuff is very fitting because I think even before you press play, we, we haven't really spoken much on this podcast about album artwork. No. As such. That's, I think we may have spoken a little bit about it with the Venom Prison album because that was just yeah. grotesque and nasty. Yeah. And a similar thing of the, of the artwork feeling... Album artwork doesn't always feel of a piece with the actual music itself, mm. you know. But that's definitely the case here. Yeah, that's definitely the case with Venom Prison too. Yeah, I think the artwork is a real, is a brilliant summary of what this record is. Yeah, hundred percent. Like what this record is to me, and kind of just what it is in general. Yeah. Um, if you haven't seen the artwork, because obviously we are an audio format, <laughs> uh, try and dis- uh, describe it to you. It's lots of like bright pastely colours. Yeah. Baby pink and yellow and green and blue and yeah, very vivid. Yeah. 
and it looks sort of very cartoony and, and, and cheery mm-hmm. um, but then you realise it's a group of people playing musical chairs um, there are four people and three chairs as the sort of rules of musical chairs usually goes yeah. <laughs> uh, but these people are all blindfolded and they're holding big fuck off kitchen knives <laughs> yeah. as soon as you twig that it becomes really unsettling yeah. to look at I think so I think the way that ties into the album, this album carries a lot of like very dark subject matter. Yeah, it's kind of and that and that dark subject matter is kind of juxtaposed with that's a big word, isn't it? Juxtaposed. Yeah, yeah. It's I just, one of my favourite words. Really, I've got it in my notes here. Have you any excuse to bust out that yeah. massive it's, word? <laughs> <laughs> um, it is kind of juxtaposed yep. with really bright. Uh, upbeat yeah definitely um, indie tinged I would suppose it's sort of quirky punk rock yeah I think they've always had that slight indie yeah. tint to their music that's their kind of sort of the unique side of their personality I think it's never been kind of straightforward punk rock there's no. always been an element of, of like I said about brightness kind of in the guitars and the yeah. melodies Warmth. Yeah. yeah yes yeah exactly but it's just kind of delivered with that extra bit of, of bile and kind of spite almost yeah. um, I think this is the most pissed off um, Stefan is the vocalist yeah Stefan, Stefan Babcock yeah um, I, I do have written down here now I could probably go on about like tons of like lyrics in this album I think lyrically yeah. this is my favourite album of the year so far yeah um and in other regards as well. More on that in a bit. Um, but the, the second track, uh, Kids, which is kind of the lead single for this record, yeah. um, it starts with a sort of very stream of consciousness, almost rant from Stefan. Um, Just like the kids, I've been navigating my way through the mind-numbing reality of a godless existence, which at this point in my hollow and vapid life has erased what little ambition I've got left. I couldn't quite trim that down. I feel no, like you no. need to say the whole thing yeah. and then take a, a sort of a sharp in-breath because yeah. it's all kind of said in one breath, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it is, yeah. It's kind of got that... You can listen to it and hear his sort of... his veins in his forehead almost popping yeah. at that. With yeah, how, and how much he's sort of dying to intake a breath because he's... Yeah. He's, yeah. And then the following line after that immediately is, and I've embraced the calamity. And then the chorus is... I guess it doesn't matter anyway. I don't care about nothing but you. It, it is kind of tied to this theme together of everything's going to shit, but, yeah. you know, let's just try and live through yeah. it. I think in, in a lot of ways that song is, is a, much like you said about the artwork, a really, really good summation mm. of the whole album. I really, really like the use of... Um, I suppose you could call them gang vocals in the chorus, or at least the kind yeah, of... Yeah, yeah. There's some background vocals that, mm. that have that sort of theme of... Um, I guess sort of togetherness like yeah everything is going to shit but let's just sing along you know to these songs and it's that it's that sense of fun and upbeatness yeah. that they have despite mm. the, the utter miserableness of the of the lyrical content yeah exactly yeah. I, I read there was a brilliant interview with Stefan in or with the band in general in Kerrang! magazine when the album came out mm-hmm. um, and the kind of pull quote um, uh, 
really stood out to me from that, which was uh, Stefan saying, depression doesn't give you the right to be an asshole. <laughs> he writes a lot about his mental health and his depression yeah. and his anxiety on this. He's done it quite a lot, obviously, throughout Pup's career. It's been a kind of mainstay of their, of their identity, really. Yeah. Um, and he really, he doesn't mince his words about it, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, I think, I never would have thought of Pup as an important band. No. But... I I think what this album does is I think when you experience things like depression and anxiety not taking the time to recognize the problem before trying to think of the solution yeah is is one of the most damaging things you can do mm-hmm. but at the same time you don't want to just sit and, and stew in your own misery yeah. right so the way this album just kind of reinforces that of just kind of recognizing that everything's just a massive crock of shit but that's just life yeah and finding a way to to work through that i think that just makes this like so it's gonna resonate yeah yeah i'm trying to figure i've got notes but like trying to think of it off the top of my head is like quite hard yeah yeah Bear, bear with me a second. Now, we're not going to go as in-depth on this with all the albums, don't worry, otherwise you will be here all day. I've been watching uh, the series Fleabag at mm-hmm. the moment. Did you watch it? I haven't watched it. It's okay. right at the top of my list. Yeah, I mean, it's on iPlayer. It's really funny. And there is a really lovable element. I won't give too many spoilers away. Mm-hmm. There's a really lovable element to the, the main character played by Phoebe Waller-Bridge. Who I actually quite fancy. Yeah, she's very attractive. Yeah, yeah, even as a droid in Solo, I kind of <laughs> as the feminist droid. Um, <laughs> there, there is like a really lovable element to that character and the way Phoebe Waller-Bridge plays her, despite the fact that she is a terrible person, yeah. like an awful human being. Yeah. And I, I think there is just the thing that that shares in common with an album like this is there's just a feeling of absolutely joyful nihilism yeah. throughout the record and it just makes it one of the most amazingly cathartic albums I've listened to in years yeah yeah I think um, I mean it just um, on a purely musical yeah level we've kind of well, gone quite deep which already. I think is the kind of album that, that sort of demands that kind of analysis but mm. there's a couple of things that struck me they pop do these just kind of fun little things that um I can't remember the name of that song, but where there's the the female voice that says, "Have you been drinking?" and he's like, "Of course I have." Um, just chucking in that. That's actually um, Eva from Charlie Bliss that does that. Little, oh really? Yeah, and it's just like little fun things like that. that I think mm. have always made pop. Yeah. Quite an interesting band. There's also the song um, "Full Blown Meltdown." Yeah, which it, is the heaviest I think pop have gone on. Record, yeah, they definitely. go like full twin guitar metal yeah, towards yeah. the end of it. it it's, it's so That's heavy. Um, it's basically a hardcore song. Yeah. But with like some old school metal in there as well for good yeah. measure. And I think Stefan goes um, a little bit kind of drug church, Patrick from drug church with the vocals. Interesting, as well. yeah. He's not as overtly kind of political mm. as that band go, but actually when you when you look at the at- both the attitudes that both those bands have, yeah. there's definitely a kind of bit of crossover there. So that's a really, really interesting standout moment on the album definitely I think it's it's worth saying like we've gone pretty 
hard in on like the, the sort of meanings behind the album and, and kind of what it means to us. Considering that that heavy, that like I was saying at the beginning of the review, that dark subject matter, it is so instantaneous. Yeah, you can just chuck it on and yeah, just have exactly. a, a lovely time. Yeah. 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 <laughs> a really, really lovely time. I think uh, the way it opens, um, the the um, what's the title track, isn't it? Yeah. Morbid stuff. It comes roaring out the traps. Um, Kids is, you know, as I was saying about that chorus, I guess it doesn't matter anyway. I don't care about nothing but you. It's the sort of thing that you just want to fling your arm around the person next to you in a field at a festival, hopefully not muddy, and just like... <laughs> Take a big yeah. swig of beer and shout just it. Shout it. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Um, I think the the absolute high point of this album, not that it really sort of dips at any point. Um, the absolute high point of this album are two tracks back to back, which are uh, "See You at, uh, See You at Your Funeral," yeah, um, followed by "Scorpion Hill." Mm-hmm. Um, I just think it is that kind of nihilism. Yeah. Um, that just kind of makes it, it like feeling bad never felt so good. Um, <laughs> that's a great way to put this. Yeah, yeah. Actually, yeah. Um, and that sort of that feeling of togetherness through absolute sort of adversity, whether that's through something like mental health or through some other kind of means. Yeah. There's a real sense of camaraderie to this record, yeah, I think. Definitely. Among the members, among the people who are listening to it. Um, and then, you know, if I if I have made this album sound super serious, then there is also a track about uh, being part of a seance while you're while you're high, which is called Bloody Mary Kate and Ashley, which is superb. Yeah. It is really fantastic. How how many so we started doing tea bags uh, or stuff. <laughs> Someone who's like listening to this for the first time yeah, would be they're, like, they're, they're doing what? <laughs> they started doing what? <laughs> um, it, it's, it's our star system rating, yeah. and we're doing them out of ten. Mm-hmm. Uh, what, what have you given this this album? This is, as it stands, an eight. I think for me. Okay. I think. Um, sorry, just to, just to dive back in. You. Um, this is clearly your favourite pop album. Oh. Undeniably, I today. am still, um, and this happens sometimes. And in six months' time, I may feel totally different. But I absolutely love the dream is over, and I'm still. Oh, I think it's of, a great record. Kind of still has, I think, the top spot okay. for me as it stands. That's maybe a nine. Okay. Maybe, but, uh, well, I've given this a nine out of ten. Mm-hmm. I, for me, this is the one to beat this year. Wow. Yeah. yeah. It's definitely in my top three records yeah. of 2019 so far because we are like at the middle point of the year. We're starting to think about that. Obviously, we're here to just enjoy the music and be positive about it. But you are starting to kind of plot. Okay, what have I really loved this yeah. year? And and for me, this is in the top three. I fucking love this record. It's wow. it's kind of up there with uh, Brutus's record that we that we spoke about on episode three and one other record which we've not actually spoken about uh-huh. yet. Hashtag foreshadowing. Um, yeah, so that's uh, pup and morbid stuff. Um, yeah, great times. Sip a beer? Let's sip a beer. How is your dead pony club? It's going play? down really nice, actually mm. going down quite fast. I should mention the fact that it's not even one o'clock in the afternoon. Yeah. But it's nice to actually not be recording this sat in a car park. Yeah. We feel like professionals. Oh, proper, with a mic and everything. Yeah. I can't believe this. Um, shall we talk about our next album? Yeah. 
Yeah? Yeah. Or we could just hang out. Uh, no, we'll talk about the album. Alright, cool. Loyal Corner. <laughs> um, not Waving, But Drowning. This is the second album from the uh, South London rapper. Yeah. Um, album's named after the poem by Stevie Smith. Did mm-hmm. you know that? Um I know that it is a poem. Okay. I didn't know who it specifically was by. Right, okay. She appears on the album, actually. Oh. Um, I can't remember the... It was one of the interlude tracks. Oh, okay. Anyway, um, Loyal Kana, um, before we go into the album specifically, um, like I said, this is his, his second album. His debut album came out in 2017 called Yesterday's Gone. Yeah. Um, I understand you were a, a real big fan of that album when it really, came out. I was a really, really big fan. It was the first kind of... Um, UK hip hop, I think, is the. He's certainly not a grime artist. It's, no, no. Um, he's definitely part of the, alternative kind of UK hip hop. Yeah, so I would say. We decided because obviously we have we are an alternative music podcast. Yeah. Not right act. Um, <laughs> not the alternative music podcast. Not no no. An alternative music podcast. We are an alternative music reviews podcast, and we decided when this album came out that it had enough of an alternative appeal. Yeah, it's that certainly alternative sense. to the mainstream. I would, say, I would yeah. call it alternative hip hop. Yeah. So you re- you were saying you really liked <laughs> Yesterday's Gone? Yeah, massively. Yeah, I. It was a slow burner for me. Yeah. I I think when actually what I, what caused me to go back to it, and I, like when I listened to it, I thought, yeah, this is it's just not really what I was into usually. So okay. it just it didn't stick with me. Yeah. Um, but then I started hearing the singles from this. I think I heard Loose Ends. Mm-hmm. Uh, featuring Georgia Smith in the best thing that I think Georgia Smith has done yeah. to this point. Yeah. Although she's just not really part of what I'm into. Yeah, same for me. It's um, yeah, it, it kind of became a bit of a slow burner for me. Mm-hmm. And um, eventually, like just before this album got, came out, I, I got really hooked on it. Yeah. Um, now, if you've not heard Loyal Kana before and you're like, why the fuck are they covering a, a hip-hop album, you know? Um, it is kind of very evocative of like 1990s lo-fi hip hop. Yeah, definitely. Like you were saying, he's not a grime artist. No. He kind of came from a scene where, and this is with a limited understanding of the scene, but he kind of came from a scene comprised primarily of quite aggressive rappers. Mm-hmm. And he has a sort of lackadaisical flow to his yeah, voice. Yeah, definitely. I would maybe even go so far as to call him a poet. Yeah, it's uh, it's right on that kind of intersection of rap and poetry. Definitely. Yeah, it, it, it is like I was saying. It's kind of like where the lines blur between R and B and hip hop. So mm-hmm. like artists like and he name checks quite a lot of these people in his records. People like Common and Mos Def. Yeah. Uh, Jay Diller, obviously. I know Diller's a producer. Like whoever's rapping on Diller's songs. Yeah. You know? um, and yeah, I I think I. I I think this album kind of reinforces his his status as a poet because it opens on a poem mm-hmm. um, called Dear Jean, which is a letter to um, his mum about the fact that he was kind of moving out of home. Yeah. Um, I mean, we we don't really need at this moment to go into Lord Connor's story. If you will, I think people can kind of look that up for themselves. Yeah. But just as a summary, he is obvious. He he is a very family oriented man for for. For, again, for reasons that we won't go into here, you can mm-hmm. kind of read him up. He's been very kind of outspoken about his story. Yeah. Um, you know, and as a result, he, he is very close with his mum. He's kind of said his mum's his biggest influence. Mm-hmm. 
um, and, and his kind of biggest hero. Let, let's talk about, sorry, let's let's step back a bit and let's talk about why this album is so brilliant. Yeah. Because I kind of, it, it's very hard for us when we meet up and we hang out and like when we're in the car to, um, to Slam Dunk Festival yeah. with our buddy Tim, shout out Tim. Yeah, it's it's quite hard for us to um, to not talk about these albums. Yeah, but we try not to. We do try our hardest not to, just so the conversations that we have when it actually does come to recording, kind of it stays fresh. Yeah, a little bit. But I'm guessing that you love this album as much as I do. Doesn't sound like it. I absolutely love the first one like i okay. absolutely absolutely love this is it. like a similar thing to the the pup thing then isn't yeah, it you know it's the very, album very, kind of very, came very similar th- uh, mm. position again um and i think this one for me is different to the first one in some ways i think it's it's a little bit more feature heavy it's got it's got kind of i think more singers guesting on it yeah um, um Sanfa is one of them. Yeah, we mentioned Georgia Smith. Yeah, um, uh, Tom M- Mish. Tom Mish is kind of a long-time collaborator yeah. of of Loyal Carners. Yeah, he's on a couple, um, of them, isn't he? Yeah, um, he's been on his album. It's a bit before. more varied as well, yeah. I'd say, in sort of the instrumental approach mm-hmm. to beats and stuff, um, which is all great. I I just think that there's there's certain songs like Angel and um, Otter Lenghi, is that how you'd yeah. yeah. One, I, I think it might actually be my my favourite song on this yeah, record. Actually, Otomengi, um, Loose Ends is another one. Mm-hmm. They they stand so head and shoulders. I think above a lot really? of the other songs on this album. Whereas okay. the first one, you know, carried me along the whole album. Mm. That that's kind of okay. where I'm coming from. I I think. I'm trying not to take a, a sort of an old man approach to a genre I don't really know that much about, mm-hmm. but where hip hop does kind of have a, a bit of a track record of kind of opulence and mm-hmm. kind of gloating about extravagant things, yeah. Um, I think this album, I, I don't think a hip hop album has really filled me with so much warmth before, mm-hmm. um, because. Lil Connor's not trying to do that. He's no. not trying to be the sort of big man about town bragging about whatever. No, not at all. He's instead focusing on subjects like family, mm-hmm. mental health, yeah, toxic masculinity. Sure. Um, Even the challenges of, of the sort of relative success he had yeah. on the back of his first album is something he's very open about. Yeah, absolutely. Well. And I think what kind of makes this album so wonderful for me is... There is a really amazing sense of storytelling yeah. to it. Yeah, I, I think the use of um, you know we've, we've spoken a little bit about the the kind of songs and they are they have a wonderful sort of laid back vibe to the production, really sort of pared back and simple and and, and effective in that sense. Yeah, um, really does feel at times more like a, a sort of an R and B album with the way like the way it's produced yeah definitely. there's only like a couple of songs on the album which feel like they have a kind of a harder hip-hop beat to it yeah like you don't know is is like kind of comes in quite harsh yeah by loyal kind of standards yeah that is another favorite of mine actually, oh really you, yeah it's you, nice yeah. to hear him just just mixing up 
yeah a little bit there mm. was a track called um, No CD on the, on the first album which is which yeah is, I think actually has what, a similar place I think that actually might be my favourite song off of, of Yesterday's Gone yeah and it's the theme tune of um, have you seen Ramesh Ranganathan's new show on BBC The, the Ranganathan I haven't seen it yet, it's no. fucking great oh, you should yeah, watch it it's the, that's the theme tune of it oh he's a big hip hop fan isn't he he really is he yeah, really is yeah um but going back to the, the sort of sense of storytelling on this record, um, you know, there's a song called Still. Mm-hmm. Again, I th- God, it feels weird saying like, oh, that one's a favourite, that one's a favourite, this is how much I love this record. <laughs> um, uh, Lil' Connor suffers from ADHD, and that mm-hmm. song is kind of about him feeling quite displaced and, and yeah. lost. It, yeah. He makes it quite clear on the chorus. And I think that is so poignant. I think that kind of is just testament to his ability to bear his vulnerability. Yeah. Um, I, I, you know, I love the use of skits on this record. Yeah. Yeah, no, I do. I, I say yeah because normally I see skits and I think, oh, They're a little skits. bit corny. Definitely a little bit corny. Yeah. yeah. And um, just something that has been done, you know, so much yeah. over the years. But I, he has a really organic kind of original approach to, to skits I think it sounds like he I think he's probably just recorded them on his phone yeah you know there, there's one I think is really cool was uh, like he was in a, a taxi um, and he was sort of just coming out of I think the the way I was hearing about it was it was the radio premiere for Ottolenghi okay cool um, and he ended up getting in a taxi sort of away from the radio studio while it was playing and he doesn't like to talk about the fact that you know he does music but yeah. it kind of came up like the taxi driver says what do you think of this and he was like oh yeah it's actually me <laughs> and he knew that uh, the taxi driver's son was like a big fan oh, wow. and so the taxi driver got his son on the phone and that's what you hear at the end of um, at just before the start of Ottolengi yeah, yeah, sure. at the end of Icy Water um, yeah. is uh, the conversation the sort of conversation had between the taxi driver and Lord Connor and his and the taxi driver's yeah. son on the other end of the phone. Yeah. And you just hear the kid sound completely sort of overwhelmed. Yeah. For that kind of thing puts a smile on your face. It, it is really uplifting. Yeah. Um It's Coming Home is a kind of standalone track skit. Yeah. Uh, I understand that you know Law's big into I it feels weird calling him Loyal because that's obviously not his name. <laughs> his name's Ben Coyle Lana. His yeah. name's a spoonerism. I think is yeah, the right way of saying yeah. it. Uh, it's coming home was recorded, I think, during the World Cup. Yeah, and uh, it's nice to hear that it, it brings back that kind of summer where the whole country went absolutely mental. Mate, you and know pubs how I were... hate football. Yeah, like it was I've... hard not to get caught up in it, wasn't it? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. I went in a pub. Uh, it was actually the night that England got knocked out yeah. um, of the World Cup. Uh, but the whole sort of ninety minutes before that. I was just like, fuck everything I've said about wrestling. Football is the best. Yeah, yeah. And it just conjured up memories of that summer. Oh. Which, I mean, skits don't normally do that kind of thing. For yeah. Me, so. um, and uh, obviously, uh, Stevie Smith's appearance on it as well, uh, with her explaining her sort of her poem that influenced the, that this album takes its title oh, from. Okay, yeah, yeah. Uh, and it's about. Um, a man sort of waving to his friends from the ocean because he's drowning mm-hmm. but they're used to him just sort of dicking about in the ocean yeah. so it's kind of a, a boy who cried wolf tale yeah yeah um, yeah you remember what we said about when skits were really corny and then this one just cuts straight to the straight to the feels yeah definitely yeah um, and I think before before we round this kind of review off I um, 
think the way it ends, which is him kind of uh, not even him, um, his his mum, yeah, Jean, kind of returning, replying to his letter at the start of the yeah. the album. Um, I, I remember the first time I hit, heard that, and it just my heart kind of stopped. Yeah. Or I kind of got a bit of a lump in my throat. I don't want to say I cried, but like I felt like I was inches away from just sobbing like a baby. Yeah, there's the a couple of, of points in the album that definitely. Yeah. Um, you know, I guess I think uh, a key word we haven't mentioned yet, but I've got written in, in bold is just relatability. Yes. This. Yeah. I mean, he's he's our age. I yeah, mean, I think he's 24. I'm about to turn 24 in a couple of weeks. I like. just turned 25. Yeah, I didn't so, know that I you mean, were that young. Yeah, I'm a little bit younger. Such yeah. a baby. <laughs> but I mean, he's right around our age, and and I think, you know, although it, it's very personal to him, he's talking about things that are so relatable. And I think, mm. depending on your own experience, there's going to be a couple of things in this album that that really resonate with you. Yeah, and, and and bring a bit of a tear to the eye. He's he's honest without being like scathing. Yeah, he's sure. just kind of trying to promote a culture of openness. Definitely. Yeah. Um, we didn't even talk about sorry about crispy. Um, that's that's one of the songs I was talking about. That's yeah. one that, that resonated. Yeah, it's about massively. It's about his strange relationship with one of his collaborators, Rebel Clef, mm-hmm. who does appear on this album on yeah. You Don't Know. Um, and do you know the kind of the the reason the track ends the way it does? No. Um, he sent the track to Rebel Clef. I don't want to try and round off too many sort of like context yeah, sure. because we are just here to say the record is fucking amazing. <laughs> um, but he's kind of sent. They, they were they were kind of quite estranged after you know the sort of success. It kind of just became about money and you know they were trying to find their friendship again. Yeah. And as a result, they kind of grew apart and stopped talking. He sent this track to Rebel, Rebel Clef, um, who I don't know anything about, no, really. Um, and, you know, you kind of hear him going, I've got a lot more to say, but I'm going to leave this bit for you. So if you want to say something, you can say it. Yeah. And then it goes sort of just the, the background, sort of lo-fi piano for a few bars. And then you hear uh, a military flugelhorn, mm-hmm. which is... Um, the, the reason he, he kind of did that, he plays a bit of trumpet, so I think he p- kind of played that bit on the record. Um, Rebel Clef never got back to him. Oh, right. So what was m- he was hoping there would be is Rebel Clef kind of penning a verse mm-hmm. in kind of response to it, but he never heard from him, so he used a military flugelhorn, which was traditionally used to signify or to commemorate a lost soldier. Ah, yeah. What an amazing story. And I mean, that album is... You could go Mind blown. On, a, on a story like that about every song on this album if you wanted to, and that's... Yeah. That's what, yeah, one of the things that makes it... And I, I, I don't want to make it sound like I'm kind of more negative mm. on it than I am. I think it's more of a me problem that I love the first <laughs> one so much yeah. that... that um, I'm not as heavily invested in this one yet. I, I think... Uh, I think it's probably... It's a step up, I think, musically and, and in terms of his yeah. um, approach. I know yeah. you're possibly more of a hip-hop and electronic guy than me, but yeah. I would say... Because it's kind of what you what you kind of... It's what I listened to for years, kind yeah. of in, in between. Yeah, whereas music. I was always kind of... 
the rock, rock guy. Uh, the rock guy. <laughs> um, but you know, the last album I kind of, um, the last hip hop album before this that I kind of felt so moved by was To Pimp a Butterfly by Kendrick Lamar yeah. for the same reason of kind of storytelling yeah definitely and openness I suppose yeah. and openness absolutely so I don't know I, the reason I'm giving this a 9 out of 10 um, and this is what I was on about about the, the one other record that kind of sits in the top 3 for me ah, that's amazing yeah I just I don't think I've known hip hop music to, to, to affect me in this way yeah I, I've never been able to relate to a hip hop record like this before. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it feels so personal. It feels so intimate. Yeah. It feels so honest. I guess it's progressive in that sense. As yeah, well, absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah. I nine out of ten for me. I'm gonna go nine out of ten. Yeah. As well. I'm gonna step up. I'm gonna put aside my. So is. Act. Yesterday's Gone for you a 10 out of 10? I would say so, yeah. Really? Okay. I just love it. Mm. Yeah. Maybe I need to go back. I've not gone back to Yesterday's Gone since this album came out. I kind of played Yesterday's Gone a bunch of times before this album came out, and Mm -hmm. then this album came out, and I've not been able to stop listening to it. Yeah. So maybe I should go back and kind of A-B them. Yeah, do that. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so that's um, that's Loyal Carter, Not Waving But Drowning and even if you're not a hip hop fan I would kind of applaud you to, to listen to this record because I think you would find something in it if you've struggled to relate to hip hop music before then I think you need to hear this album yeah definitely so after talking about two by our admissions brilliant albums I'd say they're brilliant albums aren't yeah. they yeah two yeah. brilliant albums um, let's talk about an EP Mm-hmm. The first of many EPs we're going to be talking about on this episode comes from Blood Command. Um, it's called Return of the Arsonist. It, Blood Command, if you don't know them, they're a self-professed death pop four-piece from Bergen in Norway, which is somewhere I've always wanted to visit. Have you ever been? No. No? Um, d- did you have much relationship with Blood Command before this record? Because admittedly, I didn't. Uh, yes, I discovered them on the last album... Cult drugs. Yeah. Um, I listened to that album to death. I that became the ultimate kind of good time album okay. for me. If it was a CD, it, it would have melted. Right. Um, if I had it as a CD, I, I played it that much. Right. Yeah. It's not an album that I originally gravitated towards for really? whatever reason. I remember the reviews of it were really good, but going going back to it now, I think the hype there is is mainly justified. I don't yeah. want to say hype buzz. Yeah. Um, sort of, if you've not heard it, it's sort of scatty post-hardcore. Um, although I think that's quite limiting. Yeah. It, it's hard to kind of put it on paper. It kind of has parallels with Fake History Era Let Live. Yeah. Um, but then it, it comes in with some totally batshit elements. Yeah, definitely. There's like funky little brass lines. Yeah. Um, and sort of these flourishes of like almost house music dance floor synths definitely which are mad Um, and so this was kind of my first proper this is my first proper experience with with Blood Command um, by my own admissions Um, we can probably do a track for track of this because it's only 11 minutes long yeah Um, five tracks Um, I, I found when I when I listened to this album I often actually had to listen to each track two or three times in a row, yeah. if that makes sense. So I would listen to, like the the opening track, um, uh, "Don't Strike a Match," use the lighter, 
and before carrying on the EP, I would listen to that track another like three times. Really? As opposed to playing the EP in a, a, tra- a traditional way of just beginning to end and then just kind of... Is that of because you were hooked on the catchiness? Or is that... <sighs> yes, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. I, I, I think I just, I love the energy of this record. Yeah. It's so addictive. This is an interesting, um, this is an interesting one because it, it's um, sonically kind of a step backwards deliberately yeah. um it's it's a, i believe it's kind of a spiritual follow-up to the handles of the alpha male ep which is an older ep okay of theirs uh, which has a song on it i think called summon the arsonist okay so it's sort of linked um and what it kind of does is it takes the catchiness and the more sort of pop punk sensibilities they found on on cult drugs and then strips away the other elements you were just talking about, like a bit the brass more. and the yeah, there, and, there, and sort there of are does less it in the older style. Yeah, there are less synths on this. I, I definitely agree. Like compared to Cold Drugs, I don't know if it's an insult to call it less musically dexterous. It's. I think it appears more simple than mm. it is. It's less nuanced. Certainly, yeah. It's certainly got a lot less going on in terms of different elements and there's no trumpets yeah it's a lot more representative of what Blood Commander like live I remember the first time I saw them live oh really being I don't think disappointed is the right word but feeling like there wasn't you know sound wise it was a lot more stripped back where where was this this was at 2000 trees was this last year yeah okay um you know I haven't actually ever seen them in a event in an indoor venue Mm. um so maybe they, they, they do a bit better there. But um Yeah, they have a more a more kind of hard, just hardcore tinge kind of punk sound mm. live and this is a more representative of that, I'd say. I think by being more simple this this EP just slaps harder for me. Yeah. I um you know, I've already said about the, the first track, uh, Don't Strike a Match, Use the Lighter, I think is possibly one of my favourite opening tracks for, for an EP or for a record in general that I've heard in a, in a long time, the way it just kind of... It, it's got some quite sinister, um, sort of eerie synths yeah. at the start of it, and then it just goes into like full-blown, one minute, 20 seconds, hardcore punk. Yeah. Um, it kind of reminds me of when Marmosets came out with like Move Shake Hide. Yeah. It has a similar energy to it. Definitely, yeah. I really love the song No Thank You, I'm More Into Fake Grindcore. Yeah, I think that might be my favourite. Oh, really? One, yeah. Maybe, okay. I mean, they're all so great and it's so short. I, I kind of just tend to treat it as one really long song and <laughs> just listen to it. Yeah. I'd say that's actually really good because one yeah. song is, what, 52 seconds long? The fourth track, Ritual Knife. Yeah. Which just goes full-blown mathcore. That's yeah, you know, kind of what I was saying about it being pared back but no less uh, skillful. Yeah, yeah, no less skillful either because it does yeah. just go... Frenetic. Yes, yeah. Thank yeah. you. i just searching my inner thesaurus <laughs> there. Yeah, I think... Oh, they're a really, really cool band and I... Th- I think their their approach to songwriting is I mean it's been pointed out before it was pointed out on the last album their approach to songwriting is not a million miles away from pop punk mm. basically um, that was me agreeing mm. while taking a sip <laughs> of beer what I think sets them apart is I mean Karina's vocal approach mm. is is really really unique I think okay um, I say unique I think just her voice at the front of the band is unique maybe her not less so her approach um, 
and like you were saying, the kind of the the musical, the different kind of facets to their sounds. Yeah, I suppose the freneticism. Yeah, yeah, I'd say that. <laughs> this is, I think, an eight, just because I enjoy it so much. Yeah, I've given yeah. it an eight. I think if this materializes into a full-length album of similar quality, and I'm not necessarily saying that like you know I wouldn't like to hear an album that sounds like you know brings in back in those sort of you know the brass yeah. and the synths and the and the sort of less conventional I suppose elements yeah I'd definitely like to hear them do that again and if this is kind of like a sort of just a nod to the past as I yeah. kind of had read that in interviews it's kind of a I, I read that it was more of a kind of a love letter to the fans that have been there since the start yeah I what, think so I don't think it's supposed to be any indication of where they might be going yeah on another full length but who knows I think if if they do an album of a similar quality yeah um, then you're easily easily looking at a nine I mean Afraid of Water alone I think is just one of the best pop punk songs that I've heard in the last year yeah yeah and I didn't think I would be saying that about Blood Command after no. hearing Cult Drugs yeah. Um, so, Blood Command, uh, Return of the Arsonist is the name of that EP, and it is out now. It's been out for a while, because we're talking about April releases, because we're really, really late to the party. <laughs> um, another April release uh, to talk about. I mean, they're, they're all really April releases. I should say that, shouldn't I? <laughs> this this is an interesting one. Um, the Damned Things. Yeah. Um, the album's called High Crimes. Uh, the Damned Things are... A super group um, featuring members of Every Time I Die, Anthrax, Fallout Boy, and Alkaline Trio now. Mm-hmm. Um, since uh, Dan Andriano has joined them on bass. Yeah. Um, I don't know who the last bassist was, but doesn't really matter, does it? <laughs> not the, that, not anymore. This is their second album. Uh, their first album is not on Spotify, so I haven't actually listened to, what's it called, Ironoclast? Yeah, that is what it's called. I haven't listened to it either. No. I have done in the past. Okay. Sure. Yeah. Be- sure, I was certainly, well, at least a couple of songs. Right. I, I haven't heard them. anything from it, admittedly. Okay. I kind of, I don't know why, that it's just, I'm a knob. <laughs> <laughs> um, I thought the best way to start on this would maybe be to talk about very briefly about the bands that each member comes from. Yeah. So every time I die, um, I mean, one of the most consistent bands ever, yeah, right? Definitely, yeah. I the, think a favourite of both of ours. Yeah, I know we've just had Cancer Bats on the podcast, and I love Cancer Bats. I <laughs> really do, and I think we're going to have Liam back on again when they come to their UK oh, awesome. tour. Um, but for me, Every Time I Die is the best band of that scene of, of punk and roll bands. Yeah, I'd back that. And yeah. I don't mean that as any sort of slight on, on Cancer Bats. No. But I do think they maybe just inch the Bats a little bit on consistency with their records. Mm-hmm. And I think a couple of years ago they made arguably their best record in low teens. It's my favourite, yeah. Yeah. Um, Anthrax? I... Oh, sorry. No, I, I don't know very much about Anthrax at all. <laughs> I have a passing interest in Anthrax. Okay. I think I have res- more respect for them for being probably the punkiest of the of the big four yeah. of thrash metal. Um, I've never cared enough to check out a new album, and, no. I, and I listened to Among the Living a couple of times on people's recommendation, and it's, yeah, it's great. Mm-hmm. It's not Metallica, though. <laughs> um, Fallout Boy tricky one this isn't it 
Yeah, once upon a time. <laughs> the, a, a good kind of pop punk band. Oh, were, you, were you always just kind of, they're good? Because I I've, fucking I've, love them. Yeah, I've never been uh, kind of um, absolutely love take my t-shirt off and swing it around my head love them whereas i have <laughs> um once very much loved for me now completely despised completely despised i i hate the new i guess i think stuff. if you were invested in them and they did what they've done yeah you would wash your hands of them i have not enjoyed a single thing they've done oh that's a lie because they did do that really fast hardcore punk EP which was really good and I oh, just yeah. went oh why don't you do this more yeah I love Fallout Boy and I, I can't find a single thing to like about them anymore I've but it's just hands of them. it's just so just so, just so happens to have this band anyway just so happens to have the best two members of that band in it yeah and and probably the two most undervalued members of that band in it yeah um, and the two least busy as well I think <laughs> probably <laughs> um, and then Alkaline Trio who um, again I kind of have a passing fancy for Alkaline Trio passing fancy yeah are, are you I fancy Alkaline Trio quite a lot <laughs> um, <laughs> maybe a weird way I think From Here to Infirmary is a banger of an album yeah I mean there's certain albums that that I've gone to a couple of times and don't really go back there's certain albums I reach for yeah. with Alkaline Trio but yeah definitely. and the last album was good yeah it was, it was good it was, was alright wasn't it, it was yeah, better. Yeah. I've not really gone back to it in a few months no um, so I think the point of the damn things, if, if you've kind of we've kind of name checked all those bands and gone, well, that that how does that even work? I you know, I think the point of the damn things was for them to just play some stuff that doesn't really align with their main projects. Mm-hmm. Um, so with this sort of supergroup sort of thing, I don't know why, but I would expect something that was like very left of center. Yeah. Um, but then I read that the damn things were basically just set up to jam out some Thin Lizzy worship material. Yeah, basically. Um, and that's what we've got with High Crimes. It's very simple, but a very sort of well-made and effective rock record. Yeah. Um, I had so much fun listening to this. Yeah, me too. I, I Kind of good time rock and roll is has never really been my kind of bread and butter it's not okay my, my favorite thing. it's never floated your goat i'm just a bit of a it's never tickled bastard, your pickle so <laughs> um but this um i think this is different just by virtue i mean it's got keith buckley fronting it yeah which brings so much and it's mm. something that not every band has yeah you know, so <laughs> i think something that separates keith buckley from his peers is that he is a rock star yeah with Lovely hair, <laughs> and he exhibits his his sort of clean vocal because he, he he I think Low Teens was probably his biggest exhibition of his clean vocals so far. Yeah, there were tracks on Low Teens which would not sound out of place on this record. Yeah, um, he's just so charismatic. Mm-hmm. Even on like the opening track, Cells, which is probably the heart the heaviest song on the record. Yeah, he just shouts like it, it's kind of very typical of that genre as it was um, but then he just shouts guitar <laughs> and it's just like it's, it, it, it would be otherwise it would be corny otherwise yeah. but because it's done by Keith Buckley and it just see, it feels so naturally charismatic I just go oh yeah that's awesome yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, Scott Ian on this album Mm-hmm. Uh, of Anthrax fame, yeah. I, I bet he's just glad to be playing with someone who's not just kind of withering away. 
and kind of and, and kind of pissing on his own legacy like Joey Belladonna is doing with Anthrax. I thought you were going to say on his own legs. So it's not that bad, is it? Not... <laughs> Breaking news: Joey Belladonna is secret me a flamingo. Oh no, they don't. Wait, no, is it flamingos that shit on their own legs? Yes. <laughs> Oh my and we found a title. He's broken me. <laughs> um, <laughs> we can't call the. Anyway. <laughs> oh shit on it. <laughs> um, it. It sounds like he's having. You know, it just sounds like they're having a lot of fun making this record. Yeah, it really does. Um, and I think there are tracks like Invi- Invincible. My favourite track. Really? Album. Yeah. yeah. Um, it does the whole. That's me dropping my pen. Oh. <laughs> um, it does the whole uh, radio rock thing better than any other radio rock band around does right now. Yeah. Y- you know, and I think it, with with a track like Invincible, it, it has a kind of pop element to it as well. I think um, I read, and uh, you know, I read somewhere that that Joe Troman from Fall Out Boy actually writes most of the music for the damn thing. Oh, wow, okay. Um, that may not be totally true, but I certainly read Well, like that. you say, he's got a lot of time on his hands. <laughs> certainly not writing Fallout Boys. Um, anyway, um, so that would make sense, that he would have a kind of a pop rock yeah. uh, sensibility in songwriting. Yeah, I'd, I'd kind of forgotten, through the fact that they're kind of replaced by electronics on the recent stuff, how awesome, how much Andy Hurley who's on drums on this yeah, record, yeah. drummer for Fall Out Boy and Joe Troman rip on their respective instruments. Yeah. Especially Andy. I mean, I know Andy's always kind of been the hardcore guy, he's the one who shows up to photo shoots in Converge t-shirts. <laughs> um, but he, he pulls out blast beats yeah. on Keep Crawling, um, which is amazing. Um, we haven't really said anything about Dan Andriano because I don't know if there really is so much I can say about him. I know that I'm not trying to be like, you know, there's no bass solo, wah, but he is just kind of keeping things ticking along. Yeah, he's certainly the one I can't sort of pinpoint. Yeah, at yeah, exactly. Moment. Yeah, and uh, maybe even more with like Scott Ian, because Scott Ian is kind of the rhythm guitarist in all of this. Yeah. Um, I mean, he is a brilliant rhythm guitarist, but Joe really kind of shines on the guitars here. Yeah, oh yeah, definitely. Um, you know, we, we've kind of said that, um, you know, it, it is a simple rock record, but I don't think that means it needs to be like rudimentary or kind of basic. No, and I was surprised, I think, for a side project and for something that they have admitted is hashtag just for fun basically mm, right they um it's it's really, I hope they've really said, actually said hashtag just for fun and you've not just said that I have a, just said that yeah. oh you're Sorry. a dickhead um <laughs> to be fair I did say hashtag foreshadowing yeah, earlier so is, um I can't even think of the word what's the pot kettle yes yeah, yeah. um Surprise! I've totally lost my. It's more fleshed out, and I think developed. Yeah. Than I think you would necessarily expect uh, a sort of a side project from these guys, mm. busy guys. My my favourite track. Yeah, exactly. You know, my my favourite track on this. Um, saying about the sort of interesting elements brought in, because you know, 
it's um, it is kind of just so black and white that it is what it appears to be but like there are some elements that do come creeping in yeah definitely my favourite track on it is Storm Charmer uh-huh. um, which kind of is quite discordant and, and bluesy mm-hmm. um, and it almost has like a B-movie horror vibe to it yeah if that makes sense yeah um, I, I kind of imagine that it'd be the sort of song uh, that would be played in the bar from uh, from Dust Till Dawn. The um, well, I can't remember what it's called. It's called the Teddy Twister. <laughs> um, yeah, I, yeah, good I bar. Totally. <laughs> um, Should be recording there. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, no. No, because we would. Yeah, no. We did. What's no one seen from Dust Till Dawn? You basically just ruined it for them. Oh yeah. Oh. Yeah. You're the worst. You're the absolute worst. How old is it? Oh, it is like 25 years old yeah. now. And it was on Netflix for ages, wasn't it? I think it still is. Just trying you to make myself Turn this podcast off, go and watch From Dust Till Dawn, because <laughs> it's great. And then you'll realise what I mean by Storm Charmer should be played in that yeah. bar. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Sorry, guys, I didn't mean to spoil it. Um, I've given this record an 8 out of 10. Yeah. I think for all the times that we try and be super serious critics about music yeah um i think sometimes you just need them to be fun yeah and i think in a way that's a lot like how the artists themselves have approached this record Mm -hmm. you know they are super busy people with massive bands yeah and this is just them jamming out and like i was saying earlier worshipping things like thin lizzy you know simpler times i suppose with rock and roll, definitely, and that's and that's awesome to hear. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna go eight as well. Yeah, I really want this band to come to the UK and play some shows because I think it would be so fun. Have they done that yet? I don't think they've done that on this record. No. Well, no, definitely not on this record because obviously it's been eight years since Ironoclast. Yeah, I, I'm and then I thought that was kind of that was that it. Record. Yeah, so did everyone. I, I think. think that's the reason I kind of didn't check it out because I was just like, oh, okay, that's that's like mm. a cool thing that happened way back when. And, you know, I'm not able to access the record very easily. Yeah. Um, I won't listen to an album on YouTube. I, I actively refuse to. Um, but, yeah, no, I, I would love to drink a beer at that show. Yeah, a delicious beer. Maybe even a Brewdog beer. So, on to Heart Attack Man um, with Fake Blood. Um Probably not a people. Not a lot of people have heard of this band, have no. we? Um, I'll probably give a, a quick shout out to um, uh, to Callum Millwood from uh, Weather State mm-hmm. for for throwing this one my way. Oh, cool. Um, we're going to be reviewing their album on the next show, aren't we? Yes. Yes, lovely. Um, so this is the second album from the uh, alt rock punk four piece from Cleveland, Ohio. Kind of punk emo. Well, I suppose, yeah, yeah, all of the above, really, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. Um, I, I would say, you know, th- th- I've not checked out their first album, The Manson Family. No, is is this your first time checking yeah, this I band out? Yeah, I heard of this band. Right. Before, okay. Before we did the record, I kind of hesitated with trying to pick out what kind of genre they fit into. Like, I don't try and rely uh, rely too much on genre mm-hmm. because an album like this actually does cover quite a lot of ground. Yeah, it does. Yeah. Um. This album is very evocative of a lot of the stuff that I've been digging at the moment. Yeah. So I think I kind of struggled to listen to this album and not with each song 
not to think of a band that do a similar thing and in most yeah. cases to a better quality. We are on such the same page really? with this. I mean, I kind of struggle to listen to this album without kind of checking out a little bit at times and right, kind of okay. thinking of the bands that it was reminding me of, but there's definitely a skill in combining those sounds of different bands. Yeah. Um, I think that's possibly the reason we included this in here because we, we set up this this sort of show to be very positive about music. Mm-hmm. Not to be kind of rose-tinted, but to be positive because yeah. it's something that we both love. Yeah. We love music, we love talking about it, and we love beers. <laughs> so, um, you know, the, the way it comes in with the title track kind of reminded me of the sort of teenage wrist and basement kind of vibes yeah definitely emo yeah. emo vibes um 90s as well yeah Very yeah 90s. lots of 90s in there um blood blister sort of sounds like rented world era menzingers yeah or even like on the impossible past era menzingers just n- not nearly i think it's a good tune but you know it's quite yeah, a, not quite a hard a thing to heights, yeah exactly and then the track that follows that we talked about the first three tracks is low hanging fruit which is actually my favorite song on the record it's one of mine. Yeah, okay. Definitely. Yeah, it's it's one minute, 13 seconds or something fucking ridiculous like that. And I don't think that would have sounded out of place on the Drug Church record. Yeah. Um, which was one of, of your favourite albums from last year. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think the rest of the record is, I mean, it's pretty good, but it's ultimately very by the numbers. Yeah, I think I of of the um, records we're doing on this show, this might be the one that I have listened to the most. Okay. Just determined to find things in it. Yeah. That I really liked, and it, I did in the end. Um, uh, Moths in a lampshade, mm. a slower cut. Yeah. Around the middle of the record, I really really like that song. Right. I okay. think this band are good at doing that. I think they're good at doing. You know, there's nothing really bad. No. On this record. No, I, um, I, I wouldn't say it's bad. That's a standout for me. I think mm. that's slower cut. I really like it. I, I think it's one of the, the sort of better cuts of the album for me. I'm kind of sad that they don't do that more. A bit more. Yeah, 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 exactly. Definitely. I think they are at their best when doing something a bit different because on kind of the totally other end of the spectrum, I think um, Crisis Actor is a bit sort of heavier, isn't it? Oh, yeah, yeah. Um and, and more kind of there's a bit more kind of hardcore in that song that's yeah. another one that makes my ears prick up yeah I mean because Eric Egan the vocalist I probably mispronounced that sorry Eric <laughs> if you're listening um, he kind of sits somewhere between Tom May from the Menzingers and Chris Laporto from Can't Swim yeah. for me it does have a lot of there's a lot of angst in his in his vocals yeah definitely and I, I do like that but I think this record for me suffers a little bit from my kind of scene fatigue. Mm-hmm. Just where there are so many bands that do this. This wouldn't be the record that I reach for when I want to listen to one of these. No, exactly. I would reach for um, Rented World. I would reach for the first Can't Swim album. I'd reach yeah. actually. I'd reach for any Menzings album and that Drug Church album as yeah. well from last year. Yeah, definitely. Chrome um, Neon Jesus by Teenage Wrist. Yeah, um, which we covered in episode that was episode zero wasn't it I think so yeah 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 there is there, yeah there is so many to doing it at such a high standard um this is enough 
to make me really interested in Heart Attack Man mm. and, and check out another record when that comes out or, or maybe go see a live show if they come yeah. our way. It's certainly enough to make me think of it. I'm interested in them, you know? Yeah, I think it's also got a similar... Saying about the angst, it's got a similar nihilism to the Pup record. There's a song called Cut Your Loss... Uh, Cut My Losses, sorry. Um, where, you know, it is very dry, but I don't listen to a song like Cut My Losses, which is essentially telling someone to kill themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, and sort of, what do I care if you do? It's not beat around the bush with that that is you know <laughs> yeah yeah um obviously it's open to interpretation but that's what i got from it yeah um and because it's so dry it's not something that i felt like i could connect with like i could with the pup record and again yeah. this isn't me just trying to like compare it to everything else in that scene i am trying to look at it as a standalone record yeah but that's tough really yeah. it doesn't present anything overly original for me yeah i would agree with that um it does lots of things, but nothing kind of ties it together. Yeah. I feel like it's a good collection of songs, but it feels fragmented. Yeah. And also very top-heavy. I should mention that as well. I think it opens quite strong, and after Moths in the Lampshade, I don't really have a lot. I like I the lo- last song. The, um, what's it called? The Choking Game, yeah. I think. Yeah, yeah. Um, I like the way it sort of slowly builds. It's just them doing another thing yeah um, there's a kind of a few songs on this album where I think okay if they were to take that and build on top of that then mm. I'd, you know I'd be really interested to hear that yeah I, I would say if you're into all of those bands we've been name checking then you certainly won't be sort of worse off from checking out Heart Attack yeah, um, so I've given this 6 out of 10 I think that's probably a, a fair mark yeah I'm going to go 6 as well yeah Okay, so that's Fake Blood by Heart Attack Man. That's out now on Triple Crown Records. Um, Next up, we have another EP. Um, And it's a debut EP. It's from a four-piece from Wales um, who are called The Nightmares. Um, Awesome name. Just putting that out there. That is an awesome band name. It's very simple, but I was like, oh, how has no one called themselves that? Yeah, exactly. How has it not taken? Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Or it might have been, but they're like an old rockabilly band from the 50s or something. Um, We saw this band live. Their their EP is self-titled, by the way. Mm. Um, Yeah, we we saw them live, supporting their fellow Welshies in Holding Absence um, on their... Welshman. Welshman. Welshies isn't... It's not They like that? I don't think it's racist. uh, I don't think it's... Yeah. I don't know. Much like... Let's not talk about this. Their fellow Welshmen <laughs> holding absence uh, on their recent UK tour. Um, you saw more of their set than I think I did. Yeah. But I, I do remember being very impressed from what the what I yeah. did see of their set. I caught their last few songs and, and they made an impression very quickly. Yeah, definitely. And I also found them very aesthetically pleasing. Mm-hmm. They were sort of all wearing black. I think the singer... Um, whose name is... Oh, God. Adam. Sorry, Adam Parslow. Um, He was wearing a sort of black turtleneck and a leather jacket, and then the keyboardist Eleanor Coburn was wearing, like, a a beret. They were all, like, dressed in black, and I thought that was... I really like it when a band so early on, like, have an aesthetic like that. Yeah, definitely. And I do think there is something that's sonically different about them because this kind of falls into um, the post-punk revival 
category. Yeah. Um, we spoke about Kayla Meekler on the on the pilot episode this uh, of this show, and mm-hmm. also the Twilight Sad. Yeah. Do a little bit of sort of post punk revival within a sort of greatest fear of indie rock. Yeah. Um, it is it is very clear where the influences lie on this yeah. record. Yeah. I would say, you know, Disintegration by The Cure, mm-hmm. which is your favourite Cure record? Yes. Yeah, yeah mine too. Um, Echo and the Bunnymen, mm-hmm. Susie and the Banshees as well, to yeah. a lesser extent, and Bauhaus, sort of that gothic rock new wave yeah, thing going on. There's bits of Joy Division and stuff as well, I think. Yeah, yeah, as well. Yeah. Um, but... At the same time, I think there is something that's like undeniably sort of contemporary about this. Yeah, I would agree with that. I would say it feels very much in keeping with modern sort of British emo and alt rock in the way that it is a little just a little bit more electric and not ele- electronic. I should yeah. not electronic, but like with the organic instrumentation in it as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, on a song like Kaleidoscope Mind. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you think of this EP? I really, really like this. I mean, they are kind of singing from my hymn sheet by embracing yeah. those bands we just mentioned. Like, if you if you start kind of um, overtly kind of aping Disintegration and Cure and, and all those bands we just mentioned, then you're going to have my attention yeah. straight away. I mean, even from us saying those releases, I'm sure people listening kind of go, oh, it's going to be like that, is yeah. it? You know, it, it? It's very sort of plain and simple, isn't it? Yeah. I think um, it's this is a really, really, for a, this is a debut EP, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it is. Um, it, it's really, really impressive, I think, for a debut Mm. EP, I think and um, they it, it's kind of diverse enough from track to track yeah to keep me very interested across the yes across yeah. the track listing even though I I don't think they're doing anything particularly that original no um, they certainly they kind of have their own they do have their own identity mm. a bit but I, th- I think sonically yeah, I would say, you know, there, there is that element of kind of British rock to what they yeah, do as, yeah. a, as, a, as a kind of young British band. Um, what I really like about this is uh, Eleanor's keys and sort of synths on this record. I think they are really bright and vivid from the get-go. I think it really kind of drives this EP forward. My favourite song on it is the opening song, which is Half Awake, which is kind of the slowest song on the record, interestingly. Yeah. Um, also, I think uh, the the closing song, Dorothy, which I don't know anything about the band, but my deduction from the lyrics is that it is a tribute to a late friend or family member. Yeah. Um, I don't know anything beyond that, so that's just me kind of playing Sherlock a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you've got a song like From the Start, which is sort of very much driven by this uh, pacey very of its time bass line yeah very Joy Division mm-hmm. in the bass that song I would say yeah um, yeah I, I really like this um, but the way I envision it is that it's kind of just building the foundations at the moment for something and that's much exactly bigger. what I think I think they, they set out their stall yeah. on this and um, who they are and, what, and kind of what they trade in and 
it's going to be really exciting to see them yeah. build their stall, out from that. They've set their stall out, but it's got sturdy legs. <laughs> yeah, it has got very sturdy, very impressive legs. Yeah, yeah, so, like thick with two C's. I've made this super weird, haven't I? Um, 7 out of 10 for this one for me. I don't think that's necessarily a, a harsh mark. I think it's just... It's a debut EP at the end of the day. I, I would like to hear more very, very soon. Yeah, I'm going to go with a six on this. Right, okay. Is there anything that, you know, like, means you won't be giving it a higher mark? Is it I, just the fact that it is just so evocative of that sort of post-punk yeah, revival I, thing that you want to hear something a bit more original? Yes, I think, yeah. Okay, <laughs> took the words right out your mouth there, didn't yeah. I? Um... Yeah, so that's that's the that's the nightmares um, and their self-titled uh, debut EP. Definitely going. I haven't heard a whole lot of people talking about that. So if that sounds like your thing, then go and check it out. Yeah, fans of Holding Absence and all those kind of bands. Yeah, yeah, even this. even that. You know, I thought it was quite interesting that they had a band like that opening for them. But you know, I know Lucas from Holding Absence is like an obsessive Pixies fan and like on the Bunny Men. Yeah. Um. So yeah it kind of makes sense and the monochromatic thing mm -hmm. and another awesome artwork as well had some proper yeah. sort of um, uh, I did look at the artwork originally and think it was the artwork from House of Balloons by the weekend but you know as opposed to like a naked woman on the cover it's got a woman doing the weird sort of American Horror Story possessed walking on the ceiling with a yeah yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> super spooky time super gothic uh, so yeah The Nightmares and their self-titled EP out now go and check it out Okay, so Martha, um, the indie punk band that hail rather brilliantly from the town of Pity Me in Durham. Um, this is their third album. It's called Love Keeps Kicking. It's actually their first album as a member of the roster over at Big Scary Monsters. And I must admit that that kind of I popped when I when I heard that. Yeah, I like yeah. I was stoked when I found out they'd signed to BSM. Yeah. Um, we've had a lot of these poppy indie punk bands coming out of the woodwork mm -hmm. from the sort of DIY punk scene yeah. over the last few years. It's been a real burgeoning scene. Yeah. And Martha are arguably, in my opinion at least, the best band from that scene. I'd say they're tied with one band which we're going to be talking about soon. Okay. Not on this episode, not on the next episode, but the episode after that. Okay. Um, I'm talking about Fresh. Let's just get that out there. <laughs> um, they they kind of uh, they the sort of toe for toe, the yeah. best bands from that scene for me. I think as songwriters, they're just constantly able to hit a kind of sweet spot. Yeah, I think they're they're definitely top tier. Yeah, yeah. tons of personality. Mm -hmm. um, I like the fact that there is no sort of single lead vocalist. They all yeah. kind of have a very distinctive Midlands twang yeah. in their voice, and they kind of. They don't try and hide it at all. They kind of try and capitalise yeah, on it. Yeah. And I, I, I love that. Yeah, um, it brings them so much personality. Yeah, so did, did you? were you much of a fan of the, the first two Martha albums I at all? I haven't really gone in on them very much. My sort of history with Martha is just through seeing them live, mm. where they've just always been a really great a really great time. Yeah. Live and super catchy. Um I haven't really gone in on the first two no. albums that much, really. I'm a really big fan of their first two albums. I think they're great, and you know, they're, they're awesome live as well. Mm -hmm. um, and I first heard this and kind of went, 
hmm, it's it's another great Martha record. Yeah. Cool. Um, and I think in that sense, ironically, I think it's the most difficult album that I've found to review this month. Yeah. Because, I mean, my God, they can write, they can really write a banger. Yeah. I kind of think of them as the Ramones of their scene. You know, especially, I mean, they, they're playing 2000 Trees this year, yeah. right? They could play this album in full at 2000 Trees. They probably have the set time to do it. Because yeah. it's quite a short record. What, it's like 38 minutes, yeah. 40 minutes long? That, yeah. um, 11 tracks. And um, yeah, I'd be fine with that. I'd be fine with Love Keeps Kicking in Full at 2000 Trees, even though we've only had it in our lives for about two months. <laughs> and there's tons of other great songs. WrestleMania 8 is yeah. a song I obviously love, let's face it. It name checks Rowdy Roddy Piper. Um, Lucy Shone a Light on You. Um, Sight for Sore Eyes, the title track. Yeah, what what do you think of this? I, um, yeah, I think it's really, really good. It's um, really, really catchy. I love the kind of, the rhythm that's kept pretty much all the way through it, where it's got this kind of, like, real kind of foot-tapping, like, rhythm to it all the way through, and it's, it's a really nice pace. Yeah, it's walking on a sunny day music, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, definitely, yeah. Yeah, that's perfect. Um... There's, there's two songs that really, really kind of hooked me, at least on the first couple of listens. Um, the Void. Right, I think okay, it's yeah. pretty cool. It's, there's a kind of a... There's a bit of post-punk in the guitar tone on that mm. song, I think. Yeah. Which, um, which I like, which is a thing that I like. A um, lot. I also like the kind of the harmonising and, the, and the, um, the multiple vocalists on that song. Mm. That I think they use that to quite different effects on that song. Yeah. Um, I think that's what I love about the fact that all of them are kind of lead vocalists. That's a real kind of, I don't want to say selling point, but that's a real thing with this band yeah. to love about them and it's something that sets them apart, I think, quite a lot. For sure. Them, um, and, them and Prestamico. Yeah. They, <laughs> <laughs> um, and The Only Letter That You Kept, the last, the last track, mm. which is a much slower kind of slightly more sort of stripped back yeah I would say this I don't think it's any less instantaneous than any of their records Mm -hmm. but it's certainly it's certainly more layered yeah Um, I think the production is just getting progressively better from album to album Mm -hmm. I think the musicianship is better this reminds me a lot when I was listening to this it reminds me a lot of what we were saying about the album from the Beths Going yeah. again back to the pilot about how we're saying this sort of music, I think it kind of has a, a bit of a stigma around it about being a bit sort of simple. Yeah. But there's really good musicianship on this. Yeah, the, these some of the records. guitar lines are amazing. There are proper guitar solos on this yeah. record. And I think, you know, I think something that is kind of overlooked with this kind of music is, is the actual skill that's required yeah. as a musician. Mm-hmm. Um, just because it is so sort of instantaneous, I think that is kind of overlooked. Yeah, it's that old thing. If it if it was easy to write songs that were so instantaneous and so catchy, then every band would have them. Exactly. And they don't. Yeah, exactly. Not everyone can be as catchy as Martha is. Exactly. Particularly on this record. Um, I, yeah, what you were saying about the void and the only letter that you kept. I'd maybe lump in a Orange Juice, the song Orange yeah. Juice, with that. With that. Yeah. They're not slow songs by any not one by else's standards. standards. Yeah. yeah. 
but they do throw some contrast in there. It's really nice that this album isn't just kind of like one paced. Yeah. Um, and they're just like a little bit more considered than anything Martha have ever done before. They've hinted towards it in the past. Yeah. Um, and I think they've really kind of explored that further on this it's, record. Yeah, it's another string to their bow. Yeah. I think. Oh, for sure. Something that I really enjoy hearing them do. Yeah, yeah. Um, for me, this one gets 8 out of 10. Um, we're dishing out a lot of 8s today. I think this is kind of a low 8 because... And that may seem harsh, but I think that they're just getting better and better and better with each record. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't want to spaff off about this one too much because I know they'll only make a better record than this. But this is great. Yeah, I'm going to go 8 um, as well. And it kind of surprises me. I think this record, I'll only grow to love it more over the summer. Yeah. And I can't wait to hear some of these tracks live at 2000 Trees. Mm -hmm. So that's Martha and Love Keeps Kicking. That's out now on Big Scary Monsters. Um, Final, um, I mean, we couldn't get much more different. No. uh, To to kind of round this show off. We won't spend too long on this one because I realise we've been going on for quite a bit. But... Um, the final record we're talking about today is another EP, um, and it comes from Watch Cries. Um, the EP is called Unearthed. If you don't know Watch Cries, they are a four-piece from Brighton. Um, now, I wonder what label this came out on. <laughs> Any guesses? Uh, Roadrunner, maybe? Yeah, maybe. No. <laughs> uh, this, this EP came out on Holy Raw Records, because um, we just... we wank them off on a monthly basis at this point don't we we heart them yeah we heart you holy raw um i i really don't think it's worth fluffing up this review with a with a whole load of context i because one i don't really know a lot about this band no nor do I. it's the first time i checked them out I, I was kind of indirectly recommended by and he's getting a second mention on this podcast tim burtbeck uh, host of the justin insight podcast who actually uh, did a lot of the he was quite involved with this record on a visual front oh, cool. so um so shout out tim he is a great great photographer and mm. you should book him for all your pictographic needs um this ep is four tracks long it clocks in at under 10 minutes mm-hmm. and it rips ass. Yeah, it really does. Um, I think it does something that I think a lot of Holy Wars bands do. Yeah. But I'm, it, I, I mean, it's kind of in terms of combining lots of different aspects of heavy uh, mm. music. Yeah. It, it, it pulls from, from different places. I mean, it is hardcore, kind of metallic hardcore, isn't it? Yeah, I'd say it's kind of like it, metallic, blackened hardcore. Or yeah. like metallic hardcore with bits of blackened death metal. Yeah, and a dash of punk. Yeah. Kind of. I, I still think even though, like, you know, we, we are kind of like, it is under 10 minutes long, and when you play it, it kind of punches you and runs away, and you go, what the fuck was that? Yeah. But I still think explaining it like that is quite limiting yeah. as to what this, what the amount of stuff that they do on this They record. do a lot in a, in a very short space of time. Yeah. It's, it's quite, it's impressive. In, yeah, in for sure. There's um, the end of the track Writhing Truth, which I think is my favourite song on this record. Cool. Uh, the second track, it has bits of sort of, they go proper guttural doom metal. Yeah. Uh, towards the end of it. Yeah. Um, you know, which just kind of makes me like 
check my pants just to make sure I haven't shit myself. <laughs> um, really rumbly, kind of low end yeah. on that. Um, the track Remnants of Light, which is the shortest track on the record, I think. It's only about a minute long. Yeah. Um, it nods a bit towards kind of old school thrash a yeah, little bit. Like definitely. proper Slayer throwbacks yeah. on that one. And then the the final track, uh, Transgressions Entwined, comes in with a with a bit of a sludge metal kind of beat. Yeah. The, where the drummer, I don't know his name. I think he's a fantastic drummer, by the way. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I don't know your name, mate. Um, but he's just smacking the shit out of that ride cymbal, yeah. out of the bell on that ride cymbal, and I think that's awesome. Yeah, that's the longest song. Yeah. The EP as well. Isn't it? Yeah. We should talk a little bit about the the vocalist um, Nats. Mm-hmm. Nats Spada. I mm-hmm. d- probably mispronounced that as well because I'm terrible <laughs> at guessing how people's names are pronounced. Um, she is, and I'm not kind of doing this to kind of belittle her in any way mm-hmm. but uh, or you know what she does on this record I think she's great I think she's very much in the vein of a lot of her contemporaries a lot of her peers uh, Jamila from Ithaca Justine from Employed to Serve yeah um, to a lesser extent Larissa from Venom Prison mm-hmm. um, I think she's I think she's really good yeah, I don't think she's quite at the level that some of her her peers are at, but there isn't a kind of a massive range in no. terms of the vocals on this. I mean, it's quite a shorty piece, so there isn't an awful lot of space but, to explore. Yeah, exactly. Different and ranges, but um, it is a, a, a very powerful vocal that does kind of cut through the mm. the instrumentation. I think. Yeah, especially going back to the end of Rising Truth with that kind of menacing doom metal end to it. Mm-hmm. She's actually quite terrifying, kind yeah. of on a par with those rumbly low-end guitars. Yeah, yeah. Now, this, this isn't the, the, the first thing that they put out. They've kind of put out another EP, and I think it's considered an album. Yeah. The, the, the record that came before this, the name of which escaped me. I don't know if you have it written down no, at I all. No, I don't know it down, um, I think there are plenty of hints towards... Again, like bigger things on a future record. Yeah, definitely. This definitely m- makes me want to pay attention to what Watch Guys do yeah. going forward. 100%. Yeah, for sure. And I would love to hear them delve further into those those thrash, those doom elements, and yeah. kind of balance them out a little bit with the nasty fucking hardcore yeah. noise. Uh, obliteration yeah. I'm just thinking of devastating words now <coughs> hammer smash hammer um, mighty stomp throw down good stuff yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> so that's the unearthed EP from uh, Watch Cries and that is out now on Holy Raw Records we love you guys um, so that's um, that's all the records we have to talk about mm-hmm. for, for this week that was uh, Bitch and Brew episode number four sturdy legs um so thank you very much for listening guys of course if you liked what you heard then then please subscribe we're available on all good podcast platforms the link to do that is in the description of this episode why am i pointing i'm not on youtube <laughs> we should film i'm just pointing towards my crotch we should film ourselves doing this yeah then i'd have to get dressed <laughs> no, don't. It'll ruin the. Uh, it'll ruin the the nice atmosphere that we've that we've kind. Of, yeah, exactly. Yeah. You're the eye candy in all of this. <laughs> um, 
yeah, if you if you liked what you heard, then please subscribe. We've got the May episode coming up next week, mm-hmm. where we're going to be talking about albums from uh, Biffy Clyro and Ramstein, Frank Carter and the Rattlesnakes, um, Employed to Serve. It's a big month. It's a big old month, isn't it? Yeah. Big old bastard of a month. So yeah, if you like the sound of that, then please keep an ear out for that. Um, there's also loads of other good stuff coming up over the summer. Mm-hmm. Looking at a lot of doing a lot more of the the bitching festival previews as we've got 2000 trees and Art Tangent coming up. Yeah, uh, it's going to be the loveliest of times, isn't it? Yeah. Um, and of course, more of the more of the usual rambling nonsense of me chatting with artists and creative people about music and life and everything kind of in between the two, which is. A lot of things. Yeah. Yeah. In the meantime, I'm going to go and get another beer. We're going to have some pizza. Yep. And then we're going to record episode five of the Bitchin' Review immediately after this. So stay tuned. We'll see you next week. Bye, everyone. Bye, everyone. And don't forget to be loud, be kind, and say it, Brad. Be bitchin'. Yeah!